Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. How's it going? Well, it's good. (laughs) Here we are again. I know. It's always my favorite day, though. Monday? Oh, recording well, day. Well, recording day is my favorite day. Like I it's, I kind of dread the – not dread, but I dislike the research and the organizing and then all of a sudden I'm like, but yay, it's done and so we can record. Woohoo! Because <laughs> <laughs> then you know you get to hear a story. Well, I know I get to hear a story from my favorite storyteller. Well, and I just get to see your face. Like there's nobody True. else that I see – like from somewhere else that I see weekly. Mm-hmm. On mm-hmm. a computer screen, I don't. <laughs> I don't do this with anybody else. So anyway, <laughs> heart emoji. Hope everyone's yeah. having a good Monday. Have you been watching the all week long about Her Majesty the Queen? Well, no, I haven't. I mean, I um, heard about it, but I don't watch all week long. I don't. I don't follow that. But I know you did. It's crazy. Yeah, I totally want to live there. And it's been – it's beautiful. People waited in line for 48 hours just so that her her coffin would pass them. Holy moly. They waited on the street for 48 hours so they could have a spot to, like, see her and pay their respects in person. Nobody would wait 48 minutes for me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, this woman was That's- beloved for a 100 years. That's insane. So crazy. Emery um, didn't – doesn't like follow the royal family or whatever, but he listened to, I don't know, some podcast, maybe possibly like right after she passed that was just talking about all the good she did. And he goes, I had no idea, like had no mm-hmm. idea the things that she did. And he was like, it was really neat to listen to like um, certain parts of the world that were under their command that she was like, why do they need to be like, let's like, I think it was like India. No, was it, where was it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. There was like another part of some other country that was under mm-hmm. their command. She's like, this doesn't need to happen. Like, we don't need to be rulers over them. We're not even near them. Like, let's mm-hmm. let's finish this. Anyway, so it's just I don't know. He thought it was really cool. I should Yeah, she is a I agree. She was a cool lady. And just mm-hmm. to, just to listen to him talk. I mean, like <laughs> that's it. I'm sold. I don't care even right. what they're saying. <laughs> So anyway. yeah, there's that. I've been watching that and that's it. That's all I have. Kids are in school. Okay. Your kids are in school. My kids are in school. Fall is coming. Fall. Yep. <laughs> After serial, ki- serial killer September is over, we're going to roll right into Halloween-ish month. Yeah. And we have a special collab that we're doing with our friends at What Happens in the Woods, which we're very excited for. This will be our third year. I know. Yeah, totally fun. Have a good time because, again, we then get to like sit and chat with them on one evening together and it's really fun. I actually just listened to them um, on my run uh, Friday, which is today, and um, they were talking about doing this collab as well and um, mentioned that um, now that COVID seems to be over and whatnot, we um, should be getting together to meet. And I think that's a really fun idea. Yeah. Oh, in person? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I really wanted to go because they're in a conference, uh, a the, the Pacific Northwest True Crime Fest. They're yeah. in there, like they're doing something f- 
on Saturday, a panel or maybe a live, I can't remember. They're doing a live show, I think. A live show. Yeah. Um, And I really wanted to go. I looked into it a couple of weeks ago, but realized this was like a huge, Emery's on a board and the gala that he is running is that night. And I was like, well, I can't Mm. miss that. So, um, so I really wanted to go do that because I wanted to meet them and also thought it would just be really cool. So we will have to figure something out guys. Yeah. Let's do it. Clink a glass. Yes, exactly. And poison. Yep. So anyway, I would totally show up in my, what happens in the woods shirt. (laughs) I know like fangirl, like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Also, I was going to message them anyway, because I'm going camping. (laughs) And so I'll be in the woods. Girl. It's going to be fine. You don't listen to them. No, I shouldn't listen to their episode, their newest one, because it's probably going to scare me. But anyway, <laughs> you're going this I'll weekend. Text you guys, yeah, tomorrow. Oh, oh, fun. Yep. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Is this the rescheduled, rescheduled, rescheduled? It is. Yes, it is the one that um, the universe and the gods have tried to get me to back out of, and here we are. Just giving it another go. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. I've got I know. fingers, toes, legs, arms. They're all crossed for you. <laughs> I did tell Wes. I was like, if I don't have any cell phone service out there, like I'm out. I am piecing out. That is That will be too much because – I'll be sending you the proof of life text like you do for me when I like ghost I on you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope I don't ghost on you. No, Lord. Like literally I could ghost on you. In the woods. I know. It's fine. We're going to be fine. It's going to be just fine. And now that we're talking about scary things and going in the woods and having no cell phone service, I have a case for you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So if you're ready, I will give it to you. I am. Okay. Here we go. Okay, serial killer number three, right? Yep, right. I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not listening. <laughs> Why aren't you listening? I won't do it. I You're won't listening. Do it. You're here. Anything. You are here for the party <laughs> <laughs> for serial killer number three, who was mm-hmm. suggested to us by Deborah. I went to oh, high school with Deborah. Deborah. Oh, okay. I was going to say, have we heard? Deborah before yes. like yeah, she has been no. a long yeah? okay. time listener and mm-hmm. I have known her for a long time I don't know if we knew each other before high school or not what did I don't have a good memory Deborah. you tell me mm. okay <laughs> so I knew this guy because he was a suspect in an unsolved murder that we covered back in May of this year mm. so okay. um, I'll tell you about her but he didn't do it? He was just a suspect? Well, we don't know. Out. It's unsolved. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. okay. So this is the story of Gary Michael Hilton, also mm, okay. known mm. as the National Forest Killer. Mm, okay. You know him? Okay. Well, I mean, I know the name, but I don't know the stories or whatever. Okay. Cases. It's a doozy. Here we go. He was convicted mm-hmm. of four murders between 2007 and 2008. In Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina, all in national forests. 
And like the rest of our serial killers this month, he is suspected of multiple other murders, one of Mm. which we covered, which I'll tell you about when I get to that part. Okay. Gary Michael Hilton was born on November 22nd, 1946, making him a Sagittarius. Wes is a Sagittarius. Don't know what that means. (laughs) My (laughs) husband is a Sag. (laughs) He was born in Atlanta, Georgia to his parents, William Hilton and Cleo Reynolds. It was stated in multiple sources that he had an unhappy childhood full of emotional abuse, but I was never able to find out any specifics about that, like who abused him or what happened. I don't know. Gary's father was in the medical court of the U.S. Army, but at a young age, his parents divorced, and he moved from Atlanta to Florida with his mom. Gary did very well in school. He was above average intelligence. He had a high IQ, and it was often recommended that he move up a grade. Mm Because they did that back in the day a lot, I guess. Okay. Well, I know. I feel like I don't hear that too much, but I did have a friend, or my parents had friends that their son, both, I think both their sons skipped a grade. And I was like, I don't really mm-hmm. hear that too often I anymore. I think now we're learning that socially it's probably not the best. Right. Because yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. For some kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are programs in place now where you can help a child who is, you know, above average. Yeah. Gifted and all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So he was involved in clubs. He had friends. Smart kid. Normal. When he was nine, Gary's mom remarried a man from Argentina named Nilo Debag. Pausing for reaction because we are immature. Debag? That is literally D E B A G. No, is he a, a D bag? Yep. Mm-hmm. Funny. You should mention <laughs> okay. it because the D bag is the D bag. Well, okay. from what we know. I don't know. I don't know Nilo right, right. Debag. Okay. Okay. But. It's cracked me up. I almost did not put his last name in there because I was like, we're so immature. (laughs) We just Mm -hmm, can't say mm -hmm, things like mm -hmm. that and and move on. But I do think at times it's okay for us to be immature. It's fine, especially when, I mean, Mm -hmm. like, come on, dude. You're walking into it with that last name. Yeah. Okay, so he was a horse trainer. And because of the nature of this, the job, they traveled around a lot so that he could find work in various Mm -hmm. places. So it was said that Gary and his stepfather did not get along, and they would fight a lot, not just on Gary's end, but also on Mr. D-Bag's. On Mm D-Bag? Okay. When Gary was 14, the two of them got into an argument, and I don't know why there was a gun involved, but somehow there was, and D-Bag said, just go ahead and shoot me, Gary. So Gary did. He shot him in the stomach. He did live. He recovered. But, like, he shot his stepdad. So that's not good. Here's here's sign number one, guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, (laughs) his stepdad actually decided not to press charges against Gary. Mm -hmm. And it's said in a couple places that the argument that they were having may have been because his stepdad was like mistreating Gary's mother 
and that he was taking mm-hmm. up for her or like trying to defend her physically in some way. And so it was provoked. So I'm thinking maybe that might be why D-Bag did not press charges because he was like, well, if I press charges on him, then he's going to tell him what really happened. So right. he's preserving himself. Right. Yeah. Do you know where he was in shot? Stomach. Yeah. Oh, okay. Lower stomach, uh, abdomen, it was said. Mm-hmm. So um, he, he did request that Gary be sent to a psychiatric hospital for a mental health treatment in exchange for not pl- pressing charges, which was probably the right thing to do, D-bag. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Kudos, D-bag. So we're not going to talk about him anymore. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Get it all out. Okay. So Gary went to the mental health hospital, got treatment, released, went on about his life. He was in a band. And when he was 17, he joined the U.S. Army and received basic airborne training, and he became a paratrooper. Hmm. He was stationed in Germany. He got his GED, so apparently he didn't finish high school. He attended school to become a pilot and a flight instructor, and he served a total of three years. During Mm, his military service, he began hearing voices and suffered from what is called a schizophrenic breakdown. Not my words. That's what they said it was. Mm -hmm. He was sent to a psychiatric facility and was treated, ultimately released, but was was honorably discharged from the army in 1967 when he was 21. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now he's this young man. He's just getting out of the army. He was very smart. Good-looking guy. He was a long-distance runner. He was an avid outdoorsman. He loved to hike and camp. However, he was never able to sustain a job or a relationship for very long. So he just Mm kind of would Mm -hmm. bounce around with no real directions or goals or anything like that. When he was 22, he married a woman named Sue, And they lived in the Atlanta area and then also spent some time in Florida. They were married for four years and then divorced. He then married another woman named Dinah, and they lived in the Atlanta area. They were only married about a year. And then he got married again to a lady named Betty Sue, but they were only married for six months before they got divorced. So you can Mm -hmm. see that it's like every Mm -hmm. year, a couple years, he's getting married, getting divorced. So he's... 33, by this time, three wives, three ex-wives, no children, thank goodness. All and seemingly somewhat of a normal-ish life. You know, like he joined the army, but then, you know, so it was like, not like he was a troubled child and then it, well, that we know Mm -hmm. continued. He was attempting. That's true. Maybe to be. Yeah, he was like. Right, you're right. Not doing the greatest job of being a successful human, but like, not a serial killer. Not yet. That we know right. of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, but all during this time, I'm about to ruin this for you, by the way. I know. He was uh, kind of a con man. So like, he would take mm-hmm. advantage of people. He, it's reported that he made up a fake charity and like took money, but there was no charity. So he just was, like, mm-hmm, taking mm-hmm. people's money. He was caught stealing books from local bookstores, and then he would sell them at the local flea market. He had some, like, petty criminal charges, like theft, DUIs, 
marijuana possession, and he had 21 counts of solicitation. So that's like oh. handhandling, like on the mm-hmm. side of the road with a sign kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because when I also hear it, I hear solicitation of like a prostitute. No, no, it was not that. It was like begging for money from people. And, okay. And they okay. Mm-hmm. arrested him or charged him. So he did serve some short jail sentences, but never like serious time. So like very petty mm-hmm. crimes and nothing violent. He continued on this path, working various jobs, going from relationship to relationship, trying to swindle money, panhandling, never got married again, but just was just was bouncing around. Like I said, no direction, mm-hmm. no like goals trying but not really mm-hmm. during his 40s and 50s there isn't very much known about his life other than these like various petty crimes so like i don't really know what he was up to there's no specifics about what he did for work or like what his relationships were like again there it doesn't seem that there's anything violent but mm-hmm. there's just not very much known so he's probably just flying under the radar i mean kind of like honestly I- well, except for the fact that we have a podcast, we would fly under the radar during this whole time if we just all of a sudden decided to be a murderer tomorrow. It's true. They'd be like, we don't really know much about them. Right. Until they were 44 yeah. <laughs> and decided to kill people. Right. <laughs> you know, so. it's, it's, you're right. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's super comforting, right? Knowing now that he is a serial mm-hmm. killer. Mm-hmm. It's like, where were you, my dude? Okay. Right. So, an attorney that represented Gary and some of his minor crimes actually became friends with him. So this attorney ended up becoming interested in making films, like short films. So it's like mm-hmm. an attorney turned independent film producer. Not attorneying anymore. I don't. I don't know. I I hope so because they weren't good. <laughs> the films. Okay. So I hope he okay. did not quit well, that day job. But I don't know for sure. But him and right, Gary okay. became friends. And Gary actually helped him make a film called Deadly Run. And this was in 1985. Okay. So I I read a lot about it. I watched a couple snippets of it. Like a full length? I don't know. No, I think it is a full length film. Like an hour or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Gary Mm -hmm. came up with the entire concept for this movie, which was that there was a man who would kidnap beautiful women and keep them captive in a cabin in the mountains. And he would then let them go and force them to wander through the forest and would hunt them down and kill them. Okay. So Gary even found a location to shoot the film in the woods of a national forest on Blood Mountain which is near Atlanta. Um, qu- quick side note. Um, isn't this similar to a plot line in the new Dexter? So I feel like I have definitely, I don't know if I've seen a show or movies or something that I've not seen the new Dexter, by the way, so I don't know. But this was not a, oh, well, there was a, a boring concept. guy who literally held, held girls and then he would force them to try and run away and he would kill them as they were running away even though he was telling them to run away. Yeah, that's sick. It was a, like part of the story. Okay. Okay, I'm just saying. It sounded right. familiar. Okay, well, 
maybe he got it from our our old boy Gary here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they filmed this movie. The two of them actually stopped being friends eventually because Gary stole his dog. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing about that. That <laughs> would be really upsetting, but like very weird. That was also in one of our other stories. Remember somebody said they took their dog and they were trying to go get him back and she was killed because she was with him. Anyway. I don't remember that one. It was, it was a while ago. I don't remember specifics, but I remember it being over a dog. <laughs> go. Okay. So the next time Gary really comes back on the radar, or on the radar at all, was in 2007. Gary was 60 years old. 60. So he's like an mm-hmm. um, old, older man. I'm not saying mm-hmm. 60 is old. I'm just saying, like, where you been, dude? So mm-hmm. he had been working for a man named John Tabor for about 10 years at this point, off and on. John had a siding business, and so Gary would... So he had been he had known Gary for 10 years at this point. But in 2007, and he was a weird guy, always kind of like, you know, eh, Gary, whatever. But in 2007, mm-hmm. he noticed that his behavior started to ch- change dramatically. Like he was losing a lot of weight. He lost his home and was living out of his van. He had like a big white Astro van. You know what an astro oh, Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was spending all of his time that he wasn't working, like camping and living out of his van mm-hmm. in like the national parks around where they lived in Georgia. He had several reported altercations with hikers and campers that he would like come across or like he would be camping in a place where you weren't supposed to camp. And so they would mm-hmm. come and like give him a ticket for doing that. He was pretty well known to park rangers as being like kind of trouble. Like, he was mean Mm -hmm. to other people. He just wasn't... He was just a weird dude. He was Mm -hmm. very disheveled. He was, like, always acting strange and, like, aggressive toward everyone. It was like, like, is he on drugs? Like, what is going on? He started losing his teeth. And when his boss asked him about it, he said that he had been pulling them out himself with pliers. What? And his boss was like, why? And he was like, I don't know. Just to look creepy. Oh, or is it like, you know, people who cut themselves and just, you know, like they crave that pain almost, like causing themselves pain. So maybe this was his way of doing it. It seems awful. Yeah, like you need your teeth. Right. And that's noticeable as opposed to something you can hide. No, I think he was very like shock value kind of situation. Yeah. So because of his weird behavior, his boss finally had to fire Gary. And when he did that, Gary began like threatening him and being very aggressive towards him. The boss had to go to the police because he was afraid of Gary. Mm -hmm. So he calls him in an interview that I saw later on hair, a hair trigger nutcase. That's what he called. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) there you go to that. I don't know what that means. But hair hair trigger is like it's very sensitive to like explode. And okay. the nutcase okay. is like makes sense. Okay. You are a nutty. Yeah. So that brings us to New Year's Day of 2008. And we have a 24-year-old young lady named Meredith Hope Emerson. You've probably heard of her. Mhm. Yes. I feel okay. like I have, but she had decided to go for a hike with her dog, Ella. 
This is something that she did all the time in various places near her home, which was in Beaufort, Georgia, which is just south of Atlanta. Meredith Meredith was a very avid hiker. She was extremely active in general. She was trained in martial arts, so she knew how to fight. She lived with a friend of hers named Julia, and she had a boyfriend that she loved named Steve. She was beautiful. She was smart. She worked in marketing. She was training her dog, Ella, to be a physical therapy dog. She had a lot of friends. She had been raised in Colorado, but she went to the University of Georgia. And so she just stayed there after college. She has a degree in French. So she's well-traveled. Go Bulldogs. I don't know. I feel like we got it wrong last time we said. I get confused down there in Georgia. Okay. Don't listen to (laughs) us. Okay. So on this day, this is New Year's Day, remember. Meredith headed to the most popular hiking destination in Georgia called Blood Mountain. Literally the most popular hiking place in Georgia is called Blood Mountain. I've not but been like, there. Could we but rename it, a shot. Maybe? I wonder what the background... I thought about looking it up and then, you know, life. So, mm-hmm. somebody tell us. So she spoke to her boyfriend, Steve, around 11 o'clock and made plans for later that day. She then wrote her roommate a note on their kitchen chalkboard that said, Gone hiking, took Ella... Hope you had fun. So she's referring to last night's New Year's celebration. Remember? Because it's New Year's Day. This is very familiar, yeah, okay. this, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. At one o'clock, Steve called Meredith's phone, but it went straight to voicemail. So he just thought, well, she's on a trail. She doesn't have service. All good. Okay. So he didn't hear back from Meredith, which was a little bit odd, but he wasn't super alarmed by this. And so he was just like... Okay, whatever. But the following day, Meredith's roommate called him. And she said that she realized that morning that Meredith had never come home the night before. Which Mm. is fine, but just not like her to not tell her. Mm -hmm. So she Mm -hmm. asked Steve, is Meredith, is she with you? He said no. So then they called Meredith's work because this day was the day after New Year's Day. So it's a work day. And she had not shown up that morning or called. So this is very, very unlike her. They were all immediately alarmed, and they called Meredith's parents in Colorado and reported her missing. Mm -hmm. So they knew Meredith had gone hiking with Ella, but they didn't know where she went. So Julia, the roommate, began searching through Meredith's things and found several hiking guides with trails highlighted. So, like, she had highlighted certain trails that she wanted to hike or maybe her favorite ones. So her friends just started mm-hmm. going to these trails to look for her. Because her friends are great. Because they're, yes, find you some friends, like like Meredith's friends, mm-hmm. 100%. So they're going, they're spanning out, going to all these trails. They eventually find her car in the parking lot at the trail on Blood Mountain. So it had snowed the night before, so her car was covered in snow. It had, like, a layer mm-hmm. of snow on it. So it had not been driven. And also now they're mm-hmm. freaking out because they're like, it got really cold last night and snowed. She's outside hiking, you know. she's made- Right. It's not like she spent the night in the car, kept warm, and then left. Like, this is undisturbed. Exactly. That's exactly car. right. So they go run up the trail to see if they can find her, thinking that she might have gotten hurt, was stranded. 
but there's no sign of her. So the trail is located in Chattahoochee National Forest. So because of that, the U.S. Forest Service was involved and they Mm -hmm. began a search. So they discovered that the day before, the day that Meredith went missing, some hikers that were on Blood Mountain had found some random belongings on the trail. And they they were weird. It was like they were all just like strewn about on the trail. So they gathered them up and took them to a nearby hiking store and left them like these are weird for somebody to leave. If, if they're looking for them, maybe they'll come here to try to find them. Okay. So they had Meredith's family try to identify these, and they did identify them as being Meredith's. So it was two water bottles, a pair of sunglasses, and dog treats. And they were like, yeah, those are definitely okay. Meredith's. Also found with those belongings was a police baton that nobody had ever seen before. This was not something that she would walk with. They had no idea that she ever owned it. So this is very concerning to them because there is no reason for these things, for her to have left these things. Like, why would she have Mm -hmm. sat down her two water bottles and sunglasses? And they're also suspecting that somebody else was with her because the police baton was not hers. Right. And where's the dog? Because... If something happened to her, the dog would probably likely be, like, trying to get help from Mm -hmm. someone, I would imagine, or, like, wandering around that area, not knowing what to do either. Yes, no sign of Ella. Several hundred volunteers showed up to search. Meredith's cell phone records were pulled. They did ping on the trail. But after about 2.40 p.m. that day, January 1st, her phone was shut off and there was no activity. Tips came in from people who had seen Meredith and Ella walking on the trail alone. And then tips came in that said they saw the two of them, Meredith and the dog, walking with an older man who had a tan reddish dog with him. She didn't seem to be in distress or anything like that, but she was seen with this man. So a description Mm -hmm. of the man and his dog were put out on January 3rd to the public. And police just said they wanted to speak with this man because he was believed to have been the last person to have been seen with Meredith. So, like, no big deal, dude. Just if you're out there, call us. Mm -hmm. We want to know where she was headed or what she might have said, whatever. Then police got a call from Gary Hilton's old boss, John Tabor. Remember the one that had just recently fired Mm -hmm. him because he was acting like a looney tune. He said, look... I got this employee. He's gone gone off the deep end. He frequently hikes Blood Mountain. This guy sounds like him. He's an older, thin, white man. And he has a reddish dog named Dandy that is always with him. Mm-hmm. So, and he's like, again, telling him about this odd behavior, how he had to fire him, how he was like being aggressive towards him. So he gave... The boss gave police a description of Gary's van, the license plate number, Gary's social security number, and his date of birth. So he was like super suspecting him. Here you go. Take it all. So now we have another guy who's like, be like that guy. Be like this Mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. So police pulled Gary's DMV photo and put it out into the public as a person of interest in Meredith's disappearance. Mm -hmm. And at this point, 
the old Georgia Bureau of Investigations gets involved. Our friends. Old GBI. GBI. You're going to like the GBI today. (laughs) Well, I feel like there was one other one that we liked the GBI. I I was was cheerleading for the Mm -hmm. GBI in this case. Cases. Okay. So that afternoon, the boss calls back, calls the GBI again and said, you're not going to believe this, but guess who just called me? Gary. Oh, Gary just Mm. called me. Gary said he... He apologized for his recent behavior to the boss. Like, I'm so sorry that I made you afraid for your life, sir. Um, He said he was getting his life together and he wanted to come back to work for him. But he said, look, I need about $700. I need to get my license and my tags renewed so that I can, like, get to work. Can I just borrow $700 and then I'll come back to work for you? I'll owe you Mm -hmm. whatever. He's acting totally normal. Like, no indication that he is aware that his photo has been put out into the media and, like, people are looking for you. So the boss didn't say anything. The boss was like, uh, Mm -hmm. sure. I will leave $700 for you at my building in Atlanta. Go pick it up. So he's like, I'm going to bait him. I was like, and I'm going to tell the cops that I'm leaving. Right, exactly. Which is exactly (laughs) what he did. Now, the oh, my watch is talking to me. Who would you like to call? I, I right call Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> okay, so he gets off the phone with him. He calls police. He leaves the $700 at the building. Gary never shows up. The investigators trace the phone call back to a payphone outside of a huddle house in Marble Hill, Georgia. So this is about 60 miles from Blood Mountain. They go to the huddle house and they... confirm with the employees that, yep, this guy was here, but he was alone. So no Meredith. Mm -hmm. So investigators then get a copy of Meredith's bank records. And they found that her ATM card was used twice on the night of January 1st, which is the day she went missing, in Blairsville, Georgia, Mm -hmm. and in Gainesville, Georgia, but that the wrong PIN number had been entered. So no money could be mm-hmm. withdrawn. It was then used again the following day in Canton, Georgia. But again, the wrong pin number was used. So are these um, kind of close by? Somewhat, the yes. Those yeah, in a similar vicinity. So they get the f- surveillance footage and photos from the ATM machines. And a man matching Gary's description are seen on the... So it's not Meredith. Meredith is not mm-hmm. trying to take money. It's a man. And they right. do sort of see a van, too, which, like, kind of looks mm-hmm. like it could be Astro a white van. Astro van. So Gary, they're like, he, ha- this man has her card. So he becomes yeah. the main suspect in her disappearance. His photo and his van's photo are now plastered all over the news. Like, we are looking for this man in connection with a disappearance. Foul play. Foul play. And everyone is really holding out hope that Meredith was still alive and was providing Gary with incorrect PIN numbers. Oh, that's true. Because you wouldn't just take, I wouldn't just take a debit card and try a random PIN. Right. I, that would be smart to do like, oh, put it in wrong a couple of times. And maybe people will be like, oh, okay, let's follow this. And that's exactly (laughs) what they did. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we are at January 4th. So Meredith has been missing for three days at this point. And investigators get a call that someone had found Meredith's dog, Ella. She had mm. been wandering around a Kroger parking lot alone in Cumming, Georgia. Cumming. We always go to Cumming. Jeez. Does anything good happen in Cumming? I don't sure. know about it. If it does. Mm-mm. So the dog is in Cumming and was taken to a vet and she had a chip. And so they were able to identify her as Ella from the chip. Investigators searched the surrounding area around the Kroger, but there was no sign of Gary, his van, or Meredith. They then get a call. All these people are calling in, like, such mm-hmm. great people. No, people are actually stepping up. Sometimes it's like, you know, no one called. No one reported this. No, they just thought it was whatever. You know, like, at least people are Exactly. Calling. But it's so bananas. It's like, they cannot catch mm-hmm. this man. So investigators get a call from a former on-again, off-again girlfriend of Gary's named Sean. Gary called her, asking her if he could borrow some money. She said to him, Gary, you know that the whole world is looking for you, right? Like, are you okay? And he just hung up. Short of being on America's Most Wanted. Yeah, like, the <laughs> GPI has you. your number. So they traced this phone call to a payphone at a quick trip service station incoming, which was directly across the street from the Kroger where Ella had been found. Oh. So they're just like right behind him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Employees at the quick trip confirmed that Gary had been there, but said that he was alone. So again, no Meredith. And they said that he had also been seen throwing some items from his van into the dumpster behind the quick trip. Mm -hmm. So investigators searched the dumpster. In a white trash bag, they found a wallet with Meredith's driver's license in it, pieces of paperwork with her name on it, a fleece pullover sweatshirt covered in dirt, hair, leaves, and blood, Another sweatshirt with blood on it, and then a third one that was, like, soaked in blood. Mm -hmm. They also found a citation from the U.S. Forest Service in Florida from a couple days before Meredith's disappearance with Gary's name on it. So now we have Meredith's stuff and Gary's stuff together in this dumpster. Mm -hmm. They found metal chains with blood on them. And a blood-stained mm. rope. Oh, no. Right. That's not Exactly. Good. So, that's my next sentence. As you can imagine, this is not a good sign, and the likelihood of Meredith being alive after finding these items is very slim. Like, they're, they're very mm-hmm. discouraged at this point. And they're still right on the tail of this man who they believe knew where she was. Yeah, that's got to be infuriating, like knowing you're just, especially now, you've got confirmation, essentially. You're one step behind. Literally one step. Like, mm-hmm. Until. Investigators get another tip from a nearby town. A man called in and said that a man matching Gary's description and in the same van was at a car wash washing out his van. So you can listen to this call, too, of this guy. It's, like, been made public. 
And it is hilarious because he's like, it's him. I know it's him. Mm. Y'all need to come down here. It is. This, oh, that's him. That is for sure him. And then he's like, yeah. oh, let me go take him down. Are you on the way? And they're like, no, sir, we want you to stay where you are. Like, <laughs> But he's like, "You, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, no. I got him. He's I like, got, it's I definitely him. I got this. It's like the greatest ever. Like, be that guy. Be that guy. And Astro Vans, because you said he was washing out his Astro Vans. I feel like Astro Vans were one of those first ones that you could just like kind of hose out because there wasn't. Oh. You could take seats out and then hose it because it was all metal maybe on the inside or whatever. Oh, that is creepy. I don't know. But I feel like that you could. You could take it out because there wasn't anything that you were going to like ruin or whatever. Interesting. Maybe I'm wrong. I but. do not know the specifics of I, I don't I don't uh, frequent men with vans. <laughs> I don't either. My my no, nobody no. should ban the van. <laughs> um, our our neighbor across the street had an Astro van. Okay, got it. And when I was younger, so I understand. That's the only reason I kind of feel like you're I know. pointing across the street like your neighbor now. I am, as if yes, he still like, lives there, know, right but there. I've not lived in that house in about twenty some. Nope, nope. <laughs> I will venture to say thirty something years. <laughs> got it. Okay. Okay, so mm-hmm. he calls in. This is him. I know it's him. Come get him. So they get police immediately are there within minutes. And it is, in fact, Gary Hilton cleaning out his van. He was immediately arrested and charged with the kidnapping and bodily harm of Meredith Emerson. Gary was calm, but he was not cooperative. He did not want to talk Mm. about where Meredith was. Immediately asked for an attorney. Like, would not talk to them. That seems strange for a serial killer don't they usually like yep i did mm-hmm. all this it's true <laughs> yes right mm-hmm. but you know just taken mm-hmm. all back taken off guard maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so gary's van was searched and they found multiple blood stains and traces of blood so like they found pools of blood and then like splatters and traces of blood and hairs The blood in Gary's van, as well as the blood found on the items in the dumpster, were positively identified as Meredith's. They Mm. also found, in addition to Meredith's DNA and Gary's, a lot of unknown DNA in the van. Traces of blood, hairs that they did not know who it belonged to. The GBI was very clear with Gary's attorney about all of the evidence that they had against him. Like, they were like, look... Mm-hmm. He is guilty. And they urged his attorney to get Gary to cooperate and tell them where Meredith was. Because at this point, they still don't know whether she is alive or hurt mm-hmm. or like being held captive somewhere. So Gary asked if the death penalty could be taken off the table in exchange for Meredith's location. And they agreed. Gary gave the location of Meredith. However, he said she would not be alive, that she would be found in Dawson Forest, which is incoming. He said that she would be naked under a pile of leaves and brush, not buried, and that her head would be missing. (gasps) He also gave Mm. the location of her head. You can watch this, by the way. You can watch all of this. Mm-mm. Is this that eight-hour confession? Four, you were talking four about? hours. Oh, four, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you can watch it. And he is so weird. He is like mm-hmm. not a normal person at all. Did you watch the? Entire I did not watch thing. the entire thing. No, because some of it is just him like eating. 
<laughs> or like, right. yeah, no, yeah. Clearly. So no, I yeah. was like, fast forward. But I watched the parts where right. they were like, is she alive? And he would say like, mm-hmm. no, it is not. You know, like questions like that. Is she buried? No, it is not. Like always it, never she or her or like just a monster. Okay. Meredith's body was found within 15 minutes. So like he led them right to her, right where he said it would be exactly as they said she would be. Her body smelled of bleach. There was a bloodstained serrated knife found nearby with the blade broken off. And then a few feet away from her body, there was a small oak tree with blood all around it and on the trunk of the tree. Was she chained to That's that what tree? Think. And that will come back later. So, mm, okay. okay. So they also found her head and with her head, her, it was under a pile of leaves, like kind of off from her body. And there was a blood-stained fleece and her sneakers. Gary was also brought out and forced to help in the search. He did not want to. Like, he was very much like, I don't really want to do that. That's kind of uncomfortable for me. And so they were like, get in the car, which I kind of love. Mm. So they forced him to do that, Mm -hmm. knowing he didn't want to. Meredith's cause of death was determined to be blunt force trauma to the head. And it was determined that she was decapitated after her death. Well... I mean, and he said that was because for forensic reasons, I don't know even what that like, I guess so she couldn't be as quickly identified or whatever. But anyway, she was only 24 Mm. years Mm -hmm. old. I just Mm -hmm. want to remind you of that. Gary admitted to kidnapping Meredith for money. He said that she put up a hell of a fight. Remember, she's chained, trained in martial arts. He said that she kept giving him the wrong pin number saying that she couldn't remember it and that, you know, she would be like, this, it will work this time. That is what it is. I know what it is. I know it's this one. This one will be right. And eventually he just was like over it. And he Mm -hmm. took her into the forest, tied her to the tree, like you said, and beat her with a tire iron until she died. Oh, my God. He then said he removed her clothing and her head, like I said, for forensic reasons, And put bleach on her body. Of course, Meredith's family is devastated. They do say that they are glad that he would not be given the death penalty because the death penalty would be an easy way out for him and that they really would just prefer that he rot. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, for me, it's not a, oh, it's inhumane to put somebody to death. I'm like, no, it's... It's um, a way out for them. They don't have to live in knowing what they've done. And so that's why I want to. I agree with you. However, Mm. he specifically did not want the death penalty. That's why he agreed to cooperate and tell them where Meredith was, which makes me think he was afraid to die. So I would want him to. Does that make sense? Well, okay, so that's Whatever fair, it is that except you they prefer, can't do that because... Let's do the opposite. <laughs> no, okay, fair, but they made the deal. Right. So I feel like if they reneged on it... No, they can't would, renege yeah. on anyway. it. But I'm just saying, yeah. the family right. was happy with the deal. They were in support of it, which is good. 
because it gives them closure. They found Meredith and what they felt like was justice was served. So that's good. Right. So he's 61 years old at this point. He pled guilty just a few weeks later. They did it very quickly. And he was sentenced to life in prison in Georgia. Okay. During all of this, as Meredith's story gets picked up by the press and this crazy manhunt that the GBI is on looking for Gary all these days and like all these tips and, you know, it becomes news. They start getting phone calls from other states with similar unsolved murders. And these have suspects matching Gary's MO and matching his description. So the GBI actually agrees to cooperate with these people, which is great. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're, we're rooting for the GBI. They have... Yes, they were aggressive in trying to find (laughs) Gary all this time, and now they're going to help and see if he was involved in any any other murders. So the GBI learned about the unsolved murder of a Florida woman named Cheryl Dunlap. Okay, so Cheryl was a 46-year-old mom of two that lived in Crawfordville, Florida. So this is northern Florida, near Tallahassee. Cheryl was a nurse at Florida State University in Tallahassee, and on December 2nd of 2007, she did not show up for work, which was very unlike her. So this is one month before Meredith's kidnapping. Mm -hmm. Cheryl was a wonderful person. She was a great nurse. She was a Sunday school teacher. She served on missions to third world countries. She had a lot of friends. She was close with her children. And she loved to be outdoors and go on walks and hikes. It was said that she was extremely reliable and had a very solid routine. And that she was a prayer warrior. Oh, she sounds I love prayer super warrior. nice. I do too. <laughs> yes. Cheryl was reported missing. Her car was found abandoned north of like the county line, just on the side of a road. And then there was like forest beside mm-hmm. it and a tire had been slashed. So that was very odd. It was clear that she had not left Mm -hmm. it there voluntarily. Or, well, you know, she wasn't like something was odd about it. They had confirmed. I mean, a a slash tire is different than my, her tire just went flat and she needed to pull it. No, you're right. Okay, so they had confirmed sightings of Cheryl on December 1st reading a book on a trail in the Apalachicola National Forest. Mm-hmm. Did I do that right? Good job. Good job. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's going to be someone that's going to say, nope, that wasn't right. But that's how I said it. Apalachicola. <laughs> I lived there. Okay. So yeah. this was apparently a place that Cheryl enjoyed going. She would take a blanket, take a book, and like lay down and just spend an afternoon reading. So they searched the area and the book was actually found. But no Cheryl. So they pull Cheryl's bank records, and those showed that her ATM card had been used three times in Tallahassee between December 2nd and December 4th. Mm. So Cheryl's missing at this point, and now they've got mm-hmm. her ATM card being used, and a total of $700 was withdrawn. Police obtained the videos and photos from the ATMs. They showed a thin man wearing a homemade mask. And it appears that this mask was made out of white athletic tape. 
So you know that white tape okay. to like tape mm-hmm. your fingers mm-hmm. together or your yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. it's hella creepy. Like, how do you make a mask out of that? What do you tape it to your I face? Don't understand? Guess. I don't know. I'll post oh. a picture. Oh, it's taped to his face or something. Okay, I was thinking like, did he take a paper plate, cut some holes out of it, and then just tape? I do not know. <laughs> Either way, creepy, super creepy. I will post a picture. Mm-hmm. So numerous tips came in about a white homeless man, look like homeless looking man, with a reddish dog driving a white van that was seen in and around this Apalachicola National Forest. But nothing ever led them to any suspects. He was never identified. So her case kind of went cold. Sounds mm. a whole lot like old Gary. Now mm-hmm. so now they're like, huh, mm-hmm. interesting, interesting, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So on December 15th, a hunter came across the dismembered body of a woman in that national forest. The remains were identified as Cheryl Dunlap's. Her head and hands had been removed. And those were later found in a burn pit at a nearby campsite. Mm. Her cause of death was unknown, but they did find what looked like cut marks on the bones of her neck and spine. Oh, man. She was 46 years old. So this is sounding a lot like Meredith's case. She was kidnapped and found in a national forest. Her ATM card had been used. Her head was removed post-mortem skinny white man in a van with a dog also the citation that had been found in the dumpster with gary's name on it from the u.s forest service remember the mm-hmm. one that was with Meredith stuff was mm-hmm. from that national park so question he had there was like well i mean i know that there's proof that he was there but he wasn't supposed to be at work he wasn't he gotten fired missing during the oh that had just happened okay. a few months I, before all okay this. Okay, okay. So the GBI shared all of the evidence from Meredith's case with Florida law enforcement. So they gave them Gary's belongings. They gave him DNA from the van. Anything that they had, they, they gave to them mm-hmm. so that they could see if they could connect Gary to Cheryl. So like you said, we can place Gary there in the same park where Cheryl had been found. A knife found in Gary's possessions matched the puncture mark that had been found in the tire of her car. Remember, her car Mm. tire was slashed. Mm -hmm. So they found a knife that matched that mark. They found Cheryl's blood on the shoelaces of Gary's boots. And her DNA was found in a sleeping bag that Gary kept in his van. Okay. Well, Gary's DNA was also found on Cheryl. So in February of 2008, so this is just like a couple weeks after he pled guilty to Meredith's murder, Gary was indicted for Cheryl Dunlap's murder in Florida. Now, Gary denied having anything to do with her murder. He said that he did not do it. He was not going to cooperate. Take me to a jury. Hmm. Interesting. The GBI then got a call from North Carolina. Welcome in. Welcome in. (laughs) And in October of 2007, an older couple named Jack and Irene Bryant went missing while hiking. So this is six weeks before Cheryl's murder, 10 weeks before Meredith's. 
So like this happened in October. Okay. Cheryl so was right December. After he's fired. That's exactly right. Right after he's fired. Okay, so this is gonna upset you. Jack mm. was eighty years old, and mm. his wife Irene. You don't like kids. I don't like old. I know. <laughs> his wife Irene was eighty-four, and they had been married for fifty-five years. <sighs> I'm sorry. It wasn't me. It was Gary. <laughs> So they lived in Horseshoe, North Carolina, which is a very tiny town just outside of Hendersonville, which is in the mountains. Mm -hmm. The couple had retired from Schenectady's, New York. Uh Irene had owned a vet clinic there. She was an avid gardener, a quilter, a gourmet cook, and she loved to travel. Jack had been in the Navy and then he got his law degree and went into a very successful private practice in New York. He actually hiked the entire Appalachian Trail in the 1980s. The entire thing. That's it's awesome. 2,145 miles. That's, yeah, I was going to say, that's amazing. And you know what's funny is whenever I was hearing things, people talk about it, it's Appalachian Trail, and some people say Appalachian. <laughs> Apparently, it's like right. a real big debate <laughs> about how you should say it. Yes, I've heard that. Okay. And um, can I note here, you said in the 1980s, mm-hmm. which meant he was like 60 in his 60s. So he was 84 in 2007, and I don't do math, so holler back. <laughs> 97, 87 would be 20 years right. before okay. that. So, I mean, he was in his 60s yeah. or... Almost. Not a young man. Late 50s. No, when you're doing 2,000 miles. These people were awesome. (laughs) Like, kid you not awesome. Yes. Okay, Mm -hmm. so they had grown children, they had grandchildren, and they had retired to the mountains of North Carolina in the early 90s just to live out their retirement. And they were like the grandparents everyone wants. Like, they traveled, Mm -hmm. they hiked, they were like awesome people. Okay, Mm -hmm. so on October 21st of 2007, the couple left their home for a hike in the Pisgah National Forest, which I... (gasps) Pisgah! That's where the slide, the the slipper or sliding rock is that um, I slid down. (laughs) Yes, so we have, I Mm -hmm. even say, literally my next sentence is we have both totally been there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The couple was never seen or heard from again. So it took a couple of weeks for them to be reported missing by their family and their friends because they just weren't in daily contact with anybody. They were very busy. They did their own thing. I mean, they're like a retired 80-something mm-hmm. couple that just hikes and bikes and gardens and, you know, so no one really noticed for a little bit. Well, yeah, when you're that active, you're not necessarily worried and checking in. And they were like, like, hey, how's it going? Exactly. Right. So, but they were reported missing. Um, Phone records were recovered, cell phone records. And it showed that their phones pinged in the Pisgah National Forest. So they kind of knew where they were. And they actually found that Irene had made a phone call on October 21st to 911. But the signal was lost. And so the call was dropped. And it was never followed up on. Whoa. Their car was then found at the base of the trail and they their house, like they went to their house, everything was normal. Their breakfast dishes were still on the table like they had totally planned on returning. So their bank records were obtained and found that the couple's ATM card had been used in Ducktown, Tennessee, 
which is right on the border okay. of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. $300 had been withdrawn. Surveillance footage was pulled and showed a skinny white man wearing a yellow rain jacket with the hood pulled down over his face to, like, obstruct his identity. This guy is killing for hundreds. Literally. Hundreds mm-hmm. of dollars. Yep. That's it. Just hundreds. Mm-hmm. So a few weeks later, about 30 feet from their car, Irene's body was recovered in the woods. Her cause of death was determined to be bludgeoning with a blunt instrument. She was 84. Gosh. Yeah. A gosh. beat an 84-year-old woman. But Jack was not found, and he was considered to be a missing person. So a search was launched. Interesting. A few weeks later, about 30... Oops, I already read that. Okay. (laughs) So they launch a search. And um, four months after that, hunters discovered Jack Bryant's remains in Nantahala National Forest, just off a service road. Where's that? I Well, it's in like the Tennessee, North Carolina area. I just haven't heard that Nantahala. name before. Okay, yeah. so Jack's cause of death was listed as a gunshot wound to the head. And he is 80, remember. So mm-hmm. the GBI is like, yeah, yep, sounds like Gary mm-hmm. again. So they turn over their evidence from Meredith's case to North Carolina. And Jack's blood was found inside Gary's van. Mm. So, and they also found a gun of the same caliber as the bullet. Mm. Okay. So they knew that if he had kidnapped and murdered Jack, that he was also responsible for Irene's murder. So he was also charged with their murders in North Carolina. So now that's four. So we have Mm. Meredith Emerson, Cheryl Dunlap, Jack and Irene Bryant, four people. So he's officially a serial killer. Gary was extradited to Florida just after this. Because remember, there's all these cases going on. And he Mm -hmm. went on trial for Cheryl Dunlap's murder. He was found guilty and he was sentenced to death by the state of Florida. Okay. Then he was taken back to North Carolina and put on trial for Jack and Irene's murder. Now, just before this trial began, like a month before, Gary decided that he wanted to take a plea deal. And he would confess Mm -hmm. and plead guilty and tell them what happened to avoid the death penalty again. Mm -hmm. So he pled guilty to Jack and Irene's murder, and he tells them what happened. He said that he he just came across, he was camping in the Pisgah National Forest, and he just happened to come across the Bryants. And he killed Irene immediately by beating her with a police baton. And then he kidnapped Jack and put her, him, sorry, in his van to get his bank card and the account details so that he could steal money. So, again, he's like, Mm -hmm. I did this for money. He kept him alive for a few days and -hmm. then eventually shot him in the head and left his body in the other national forest. Well, I mean, he says he did this for money, but really, I feel like you you could hold all these people up. Leave the state. These are now three different mm-hmm. states, mm-hmm. right? That we've Multiple done Multiple national forests. And maybe never be identified and just steal their money. Mm-hmm. 
He didn't just do this for money. He liked the thrill of the kill, Agreed. too. as well. 100%. He's a so. psycho. So Gary has never shown remorse for any of his murders and has openly admitted that he would never have stopped killing as long as he needed money. Criminal profiles from... Words are hard. Criminal mm-hmm. profilers from the FBI interviewed Gary and determined that there is no way... He started murdering in 2007 at the age of 60 years old. That's that was my thought the whole way. Like, why would he just start at 60 right. something? Like, no, it would be a real anomaly. Like, it's possible, mm-hmm. yeah. that he just had a break and got fired, and all this stuff was going down, and maybe he got involved in drugs or whatever. It's possible, but it's an anomaly. But my guess is that he won't, he's not admitting that he started He swears that. <laughs> that the Bryants were his first murder in October of 2007. Okay. So that brings us to who else he could have possibly murdered. I'm just going to go through these really quick. I don't know about all of them, but he's been linked to them. One is, one is your mm-hmm. unsolved case. That's the last one I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about. So we know that his M.O. is that he takes victims from National Forest. He kidnaps them. He tries to take money from them, typically in the form of ATM cards with withdrawals. He kills them at some point, decapitates them, leaves their remains in National Forests. Okay, so they're trying now to connect him to other unsolved murders that took place in National Forests. So he's been mm-hmm. connected to 51-year-old Judy Smith, who was found in 1997, so this would be 10 years before, in Pisgah National Forest. Her uh, murder is still unsolved. 20-year-old Jason Knapp disappeared in Table Rock State Park, which is in South Carolina, in 1998. His remains have never been found. So he's just hmm. disappeared. And that was his last known location. Then we have 24-year-old Rosanna Miliani. Okay, so she was in hiking in a national park. And she was last seen at a gas station in Bryson City, North Carolina, with a skinny older man who claimed to be a preacher. And he was known to have preached in like campsites along the Appalachian Trail. And she was seen with him, like, like on surveillance footage. And it could right. be him. This was in 2005. So this was a couple years okay. before the Bryant's murder. Mm-hmm. Then we have 27-year-old Michael Scott Lewis, who went missing in November of 2007. So this would have... Michael, Michael Scott. Scott? Not Peterson. <laughs> no, I was like, Michael Scott from the oh. office. <laughs> That's Michael, Michael Peterson's name, too. Um, so he went missing in November of 2007 in Florida, which we know that in December of 2007, Gary was in Florida because that's when Cheryl's murder took place. Mm-hmm. His remains right. were later found um, in Ormond Beach. Yeah. So, Well, isn't that, like, other side of the state? I don't even know. I think so. No. Well... Uh, sorry, no, it's not a big Yeah, I don't know, because <laughs> Tallahassee, where Cheryl's murder was, is, like, northern, northern. Like, it's not even pan- in the... That's the panhandle. Right. It's, like, yeah. on the top part. Okay. 
Right. All right. So then we have our case that we covered in May of 2000. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, Ormond Beach is on the other coast. Oh, so that's. It's all the way like, it's not far, like south of like Daytona or right around Daytona area. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just because there was national parks involved and yep, yep, similar yep. time mm-hmm. frame. Okay. Mm-hmm. The case that we covered in May of this year is the unsolved murder of Patrice Endres. I'll remind Ooh. you, she disappeared from her hair salon. That's right. In April of 2004 in Cumming, Georgia, which is where Meredith's remains were found. Patrice's remains were found in Dawson Forest, which is the same national forest where Meredith's remains were found. But this was four years before. Right. Because I was going to say that was like she was I couldn't remember, but. I was pretty sure she was found in the woods. I didn't know it was a national forest or anything. but And so he was connected yeah. to her murder. Like, he is a mm-hmm, potential mm-hmm. suspect in her murder. There's just no evidence to link them. Um, the cash register in her salon had been robbed. So there's that mm-hmm. money motive. And mm-hmm. some people reported seeing a white man in the parking lot of her, oh, of right. her um, hair salon that morning. Okay. So, and her case is still unsolved, so we don't know. Mm-hmm. In this is just a side note that I found really interesting, but in January of 2010, the GBI received an open records request from a reporter who was associated with Hustler magazine. Yeah, <laughs> Hustler. I know it's real, real <laughs> okay. side note. He okay. requested mm-hmm. crime scene photos from Meredith Emerson's case. So, like photos mm. of her body. So, of course, everyone's outraged by this. And so in mm-hmm. like a month, a couple months later, the Meredith Emerson Memorial Privacy Act was signed into law. And this prevents the disclosure of certain types of crime scene photos without the discretion of a judge. So these would be photos that would show graphic images of like mm-hmm. genitalia, mm-hmm. Dismemberment, decapitation, things like that. Like, no hustler, you do not need these photos. Yeah. Why are you? Yeah. You're not yeah. weird. Mm-mm. You don't need those pictures at all. Mm-mm. So, Gary is still alive. <sighs> he is currently 75 years old and being held at Union Correctional Institution in Rayford, Florida. He appealed his Florida conviction. So this would have been for Cheryl Dunlap's. This is the one where he got the death penalty for. So there's an automatic Mm -hmm. appeal, obviously, when it's a death penalty case. Mm -hmm. But then he appealed it again. Both of those appeals were denied. Gary told investigators that he was a scam artist and a career criminal. And he said, quote, I'm a philosopher, a soldier, I'm a scientist and I'm an artist. My art is my life and my art is weird. And You're that weird. is the serial killer, Gary Michael Hilton, the National Forest Killer. Oh. Taking a bow. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm so. Well so done. Your last glad. one. Congratulations to you. He is out <laughs> of my head. Oh, yeah. He. Real piece, real piece of work, right? Mm-hmm. I know, like I said earlier, I know your your key to monster is kids and my key to monster. I, not that I don't, I, I don't agree with killing kids, but 
My monsters are freaking old people. Mm-hmm. What did they do? Nothing to you. They were to live their whole freaking life as angels. Just there, man. Nobody, no, none of these people had any connection to him whatsoever. No. They were all randomly yeah. picked off for, like you said, um, hundreds of dollars. Okay, question. Because I, because I can't remember facts. I should write notes down. Patrice, uh huh, was what year? Two thousand and four. And um, Meredith was two thousand and eight. January two thousand eight. Okay. 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 I'm I I'm all in on him on that one. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that is different about that one is all of his other murders that happened granted later. So that's a plenty of time mm-hmm. to change your routine up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they were all hikers. Like he literally came across them on a trail and kidnapped them. Hers, he walked into her salon. Right. That's the only, but she was found in a national forest. So there is still that connection. But it's, and I Mm -hmm. even say that in our episode, when I talk about him being a suspect, as I say, I'm not sure it fits him, his MO, because his MO was not to just randomly stop at a business and walk in. How far out was she found, though, from her? 10 miles. Okay. So she was, her remains were found 10 miles from the hair salon. Right. So like maybe he's just driving Possibly. by and she cuz cuz from what I remember the pictures, I mean she basically backs up to trees. Mm-hmm. So was it like the start of or mm. close enough? Good question cuz he could have been camping in there. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, I mean if his van was seen outside, I'm just saying like maybe he like yeah, he was in there, came out, was like, "Oh, this is kind it's kind of more remote of a business than I'm used to." You know, like I don't go to a hair salon that's Standalone by mm-hmm. woods, <laughs> right. you know, it's like in a strip mall. That's, so right. maybe it's like, oh, this is remote enough. There's woods back there that I can get rid of the body. So yep. it's a it's a real possibility. Yeah, and he's probably it is a possibility. the best it, suspect, honestly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because that was the case where the um, ex-husband or the husband was mm-hmm. considered but she had the remains and the son and him were fighting over right. so any like they didn't get along yeah so anyway i don't believe it was any of her family personally i think i remember from that but anyway wow that mm-hmm. see that's how you get away with stuff from going state to state oh. and just like disappearing in my well the atm thing was stupid on his well, part. I mean, that's how... Well, especially, and the yeah. dog. In 2000, for sure. His yeah. dog yeah. Mm-hmm. got him caught. Because everyone mm-hmm. recognized yeah. the scraggly white man with this reddish dog. He was mm-hmm. always with that dog. Yeah. Right. What a crazy dude. And the van. Van, van the van, van the van. Oh, Gary. Anyway. Gosh, I don't even know if I have anything else to say about this guy. I don't. I don't have anything else to say. He's, it's the only thing that's truly fascinating to me would be that he didn't start until. Mm-hmm. I wonder later. if he'll ever actually be executed, too. I meant to look up and see when mm-hmm. the last execution was in Florida. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I kind of yeah, would that's like what I was wondering. happened to him. Um, I could Google it real quick, but I did Google 
Speaking of why it's called Blood oh, Mountain. Oh, okay. Is it why? <laughs> it's a, no, it's a short little snippet. So it says Blood Mountain is the highest peak on Georgia's portion of the Appalachian mm-hmm. Trail. Got it. <laughs> Some believe the name came from a bloody battle between the Cherokee and Creek long before white men arrived in the area. And others theorize that it derives, the, the name is derived from Red Leachin or, I can't say this word, Catawba <laughs> rhododendron growing on the rocky summit. Oh. So it could be like flowers that are growing. That make it look Or red. it could have been a battle from oh. I'm going to go with the flower one. B. Yeah, we'll Actually, go with the flower one. So, so I guess there's no like real known. Right. Or maybe there is. That was my quick Google of why is it Got it. I don't like it. I don't think I would hike on that. No, I wouldn't either. Thank you. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So anyway. Well, thanks. You're welcome. Thank you for, and thanks, Deborah, Deborah. for sending that suggestion in for sure. Um, Kind of exciting that this year we had serial killer suggestions. I know. We talked about that (laughs) earlier. I mean, we've mentioned that, but it's, it's fun. Is definitely my last mm-hmm. one. This <laughs> is a suggestion nice. as well. So, anyway, so, but thank you for researching that. I'm sorry that you had to. I'm sorry that you went through a four hour confession. I'm going to put a picture of him at one of his trials. I can't remember which one. Dude has crazy eyes. Like, mm-hmm. crazy eyes. I'm making them right now for her. You guys can't I see, wish but you like, could see what she just did. <laughs> He's really creepy looking. So he's he's not okay. Almost ended this video yeah. call. <laughs> anyway, but thank you, thank you, and we look forward to seeing the pictures. And I'm sure you will be highlighting your victims and whatnot. So, yes. anyways, thanks for joining us for Serial Killers September. There are three, one more to go. One more to go, guys, but there are two survivor stories over on Patreon, so go check us out over there if you would like. Again, still sucky stories, but the people survive, so it's silver lining on a crappy situation. So go check us out over there if you'd like. We always appreciate the support, and let us know what you think of the serial killers that we have covered so far and that we will cover next week, and just always remember that... World is scary. People suck. Especially serial killers. Hide in your closet.